Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. By becoming like Christ, especially his spiritual nature, maybe his maturity, etc. Now, for those of you that are so new to this, don't read into this that Stan is saying he wants me to walk on water, you know, raise the dead. No, 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 no. He wants us to have honesty, decency, integrity. He wants to have a, he wants us to have a servant's heart. He also wants us to influence others for good. He wants us to be a model. Now, this might sting some of you, but if you're working in a college community, a lot of times college kids will say, you know, there's no Jesus. You show me Jesus and I'm believing Jesus. And you know what I'd, like to, what I'd like to say to them? I'd like to say, you want to see Jesus? Look at me. Now, I can't walk on water, but I certainly can be so profoundly different in a good way for the glory of God. Are you following me? Now, here's where it's going to sting. If you're people in this community and they come to you and any one of them, those crotchety people out there that says, I want to see Jesus. You show me Jesus, I'll go to your church. I would like to be able to say to them, you want to see Jesus? Look at our church. Because technically we are really the arms and legs and voice for the Lord. Are we not? Amen? All right. So we now become that. And the only that happens when we want to become like Christ. Look at the verse, Ephesians 4 now. Till we all, circle the word all, that means nobody's to be left out. But when you're thinking of the all, you're thinking of the, your neighbor, but you want to think of you. So you could say, till I come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature person, to the mature or the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want to be more and more like Christ. I want people to be able to see, you want to see Christ? Look at me. And so what's a core value? Now listen very carefully. This is going to sound a little weird, but catch this now. To become like Christ means that Christ is transforming you from the inside out. That when they cut your wrist, you believe this spiritual maturity, we'll call it, okay? Not from the outside where you do a better job at sin management than your neighbor does. So you know how to act spiritual around people so everybody thinks how spiritual you really are. And I'm going to tell you, that's like a liar trying to remember his lies and his truth and all of that. It'll never work. It's not sustainable. But when you say, I want to be right, so I'm going to abide in his word. I'm going to abide in Christ, I'm going to let Christ abide. He comes in me when I trust Christ, but now he lives in me, feels at home in me. I'm letting the word of God feel at home in me. All of a sudden, there's a transformational thing that will happen to you. I'll use this illustration. I'll move to the next point. When I was teaching at Bible college, um, we're really heavy into knowing your Bible, memorizing scripture, all that stuff that you that are going to be doing a one and all of that. You're going to be doing all that stuff, and it's going to revolutionize your lives. It really will. So I had this little spunky uh, guy come in. I was dean of men. And he said, hey, prof, uh, do you memorize scripture? And of course, of course I do. <laughs> you know, and he said, would you memorize a verse if I gave you some verses to memorize? And I thought, oh, the gauntlet is thrown. And I said, sure. And he said, would you mind if I picked out the verses for you to memorize? And I thought, okay, uh, I'm already on this train and it's leaving the station. I don't have a choice. I said, sure, go ahead, pick the passage. So he said, let me, let me have your Bible. So I had my Bible on my desk. And I gave it to him. He opened it up, and he was flipping through it, and he finally came through a psalm. And he said, would you memorize a psalm? And I said, yeah, I can memorize a psalm. Which is it? And he said, and he flipped it around. Guess which one he picked, that little scallywag? Psalm 119. And if you know your Bible, it's probably the longest quote chapter, although it's really not a chapter. And I had to memorize that thing. And I said, okay, I will memorize it if you'll give me about four months to do it. So I got along with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I, I got to do this, but I'm not going to do it just because he challenged me. I got to do it because I want it to change my life. 
So I kept reading and reading and reading. I found out that there were subjects in Psalm 119. Teach me, whole heart, quicken, etc. So then I, I took all the verses and I lined them up on cards based on the subjects. So now I took Psalm 119 and I memorized it based on the various subjects. I'm going somewhere with this to help you that are doing verse memorization. I'm maturing in Christ. Okay, here it is. So I had them all out there. So then I began to memorize all these. So now I had a, uh, a topical Bible in my mind based on Psalm 119. Are you, are you traveling with me on this? So I memorized it all, and then he came in, and I went through all of Psalm 119, but I didn't go verse 1 through, through verse 176. I did it through all of these categories. That might have blown him away. Now, here's what I did do then, and I'm going to do it now. I said, son, um, if five months or a year from now you see me walk out of chapel and I'm walking in the halls, don't say, prof, you memorized Psalm 119, didn't you? Give me verse 105, because I don't know that I can do it. And I said, and that's not always the most important. Yeah, I get all the Awana stuff, and I know you want to memorize it perfectly, and you should, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll land on that. But here's what I'd like to say. It's not so that you can drop and give me five verses when someone asks you for it. When you're memorizing the word, here's what's happening. If you're sincerely memorizing it, and you're thinking about what you're memorizing, and you're letting it transform you, here's what's going to happen. The word is in you, and the word is mystical, not magical, but it is mystical. And you are a new creature in Christ. You're mystical in a sense because the Holy Spirit's within you transforming you. And that word is going in you, not so much so you can spit it out to bragamony on this thing. It's so that it'll change you so that you become a walking, living word like a walking, living Jesus Christ. And that's what really what the Lord wants. Are you with me on that? Say, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to memorize Psalm 119, so relax. But I am saying get the word inside of you so you can become more like Christ. Let's go to number three, shall we? Number three. God wants me to be a minister of his grace. A minister of his grace. Oh, how do you do that? Well, the first check mark, very simple, by benefiting others. If I'm going to minister his grace, I'm going to take his grace and I'm going to minister it. I'm going to serve someone else with it. In other words, I'm going to come alongside them so I'm going to benefit others. So I've decided that I'm going to live a life to add value to others. So 1 Peter 4.10 says this. As each one has received a gift... And I believe it's talking about the spiritual gifts. Then it says, minister it, the gift, or serve that gift to one another as good influencers of the manifold grace of God. So look up here for a moment. Remember how I started out the message and I said, how many know Christ the Savior? The second time, you'll raise your hand. Here's what happened when you said, I trusted Christ as Savior. Three things happened. Actually more, but these three are the most important for this point. That is, the moment you trusted Christ, you received eternal life. Boom. When you received eternal life, you don't get it when you die. You get it when you trust Christ as Savior, so that when you die, you go to heaven. So you have eternal life. It's not life until you sin again. It's eternal life. You're secure in Christ because Christ keeps you saved. You don't keep yourself saved. The second thing, you also get the Holy Spirit because with the Holy Spirit inside of you, he seals you and keeps this whole thing happening so you can't lose it because he says, I got you now. You're in my family. So again, you get the Holy Spirit for power and a lot of other things. The third thing you get so we don't minimize this, we maximize it, is you receive a spiritual gift. That's a unique ability that God has given to you for the purpose of glorifying him through adding value to others, and thus the church begins to grow. So again, the important part is, is do you know your spiritual gift? Don't raise your hand on that. But do you know your spiritual gift? Maybe I should go back a little bit. Do you know you got a spiritual gift? Secondly, do, do you know what they are? And do you know what your gift is? And so I would suggest that sooner or later, that would be probably one of the next first steps in your walk with Christ as a core value is to know what your spiritual gift is. And once you know that gift, then you want to serve in that sweet spot. 
Um, those of you, boy, I don't know if, you, if girls here play softball or baseball or not. I don't know what they do here in Montana and in the country. But guys, if you play baseball, usually when you're playing and not with a, an aluminum bat, I'm talking about the old-fashioned, great, wonderful wooden bats. Remember those bats? Remember those bats? And you'll remember on the bat they would then uh, brand the brand of the bat. And he'd burn it on the top of the bat. How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all, okay, you probably got one at home in the closet or garage. Okay, it was Brandon on there. But while you're up there, your coach would say, now when you swing that bat, make sure that that label is up, bring it back, so when you hit the ball, you don't hit it on the label because that's the weakest part of the bat. So they say, you want to hit the ball in the bat's sweet spot. Got it? Okay, when you hit that, that means there's just a little bit of extra punch that sends it over the wall. Well, let me tell you. You are like a bat, and you have a sweet spot, and your sweet spot is going to be where your spiritual gift is. Now, you can hit a ball anywhere you want. You can serve the Lord anywhere you want, like a bat, but if you want to really hit a home run, you want to find out what your sweet spot is. Now, the Lord isn't up there saying, I gave him a gift, but I'm not going to tell him what it is. I'm going to make it so hard they can't find it, and then I'm going to keep rewards from them because they didn't find it and didn't use it. They're very easy to find. Your pastor will be glad to explain to you biblically how you can discover your spiritual gift and then know to serve in it. Now be very careful. We don't only serve in our sweet spot. You've got to serve wherever there's a need, but your primary ministry will be your sweet spot, whether it's teaching or serving or showing mercy or leading. Your pastor will show you that, but that's a core value. If you want to minister his grace to others, you've received a gift, know what it is, and then use it to add value to others. Number four. God wants me to be a messenger of his love. A messenger of his love. I really like that phrase. A messenger of his love. When I talk about the gospel. I, you all know the gospel is the death and resurrection of Christ. You got that. You know the gospel is the good news. You got that. But do you understand that it was how much he loved you? He said while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Because that's how he proved his love to us. So the message of love is the death and resurrection of Christ. And our message of love is taking his message of love to other people who don't know Christ as Savior. So let me ask you, how many of you have a family member or friend that you are relatively certain has not given a clear witness of the assurance of their salvation? Would you raise your hand? How many of you? Okay, that's the first person on your prayer list that you pray for right now because they're just one heartbeat away from death. How do I know that? There was a man installing an air conditioner this last week. It happened. So I'm going to tell you that you want to pray for that person. And then you want to be someone here as a messenger of his love. Look what Paul said. And by extension, he's kind of hopefully speaking for us. But none of these things move me, all the stuff that's happened in my life. Uh, nor do I count my life dear to myself. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care even about if they kill me or fire me or whatever they do. So that I may finish my race with joy. And you could say your life. Because your life is a race. It's, a, it's like a race. It has a beginning and an ending like a race does. So that I can finish my life with joy. But also the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Look up here before I go any further. Each one of you have received a ministry the moment you trusted Christ the Savior. Now your ministry may not be pastoring, teaching. It may not be that. Although I think there could be some of that. But I want to go a little bit further. Once you've trusted Christ, you have been immediately ordained to share the gospel with other people. And so you receive that message to be given to other people. Let's go back to the passage. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. And what was that ministry? Now, I know he's an apostle. I know he's a teacher. I got all that. But he also says to testify to the gospel 
of the grace of God. So the ministry and the testifying of the gospel goes together. So you could draw a line between ministry and testifying the gospel. So each one of us has that ministry of sharing our faith with other people. Now, I know you might have some fear. We all do. What happens if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Well, very simple. Call your pastor between 2 and 4 in the morning. That's usually when he's home. All right, no, I'm joking. But the point of the matter is if you don't know the question, you know, the, that's okay. Just make sure it's the last time you don't know the answer to that question. So go get that to him. And some of the best things you can say to him is simply, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. Did Adam have, be did Adam have a belly button because he didn't have a mother? I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I, I don't know that, okay? But here's what I do know. Jesus loved you. No matter how you lived your life, he loved you. And he proved his love to you before you are ever born because he knew we were all going to make, make mistakes. We we're going to have, you know, boo-boos, you know? He says, I love you. And I know that if you trust in him, he says, you won't perish but have everlasting life. I know that. That's more important than if I know if Adam had a belly button or not. What is important is I know Jesus is the one who saves me and keeps me safe. So I'm saying you can do this, folks. And we have material there to help you. We'll do everything. There's tracks there. We'll give you anything we can do. Your pastor will sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and guide you through it. He'll take you out soul winning if you need to. All right, number five. Last, but definitely not least. God wants me to be a magnifier of his name. We don't want to leave out worship. God wants me to be a magnifier of his name. His name is already famous, and in some circles, his name is also infamous. But in reality, it is the only name by which we can get to heaven. So God wants us to worship him. Look at Psalm 34, 3. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Would you circle the words with me? So there's something about individual worship. I know you can do it while you go camping. I know you can do it while you're on your tractor. I know you can do it while you're in the house. I got all that. Everything we do should bring glory and honor to him, so that's worship. But there's something special when you come together to worship. And then he says, and let us, circle the word us again. That means there's more than one person. Then he says, exalt his name together. Now, Carol and I are sitting in the corner back there. The reason we're back there is not so we can make a quick exit. It's so she can go to the table, and I wanted to sit with her before we begin. But you know what really inspired me? Okay, we're going to sing now. And three women got up here. You know, one, one puts on an ukulele, the other one puts on a guitar, the other one grabs a microphone. Now, you might think that's nothing but three, you know, country bumpkins. I want you to know that these are three women who practiced, who had, I want to do something, I want to use my, that's not a gift, but an ability to help others. And so together, do you know, they had so much fun worshiping the Lord together and then looking at you, singing songs, where maybe you only knew one of them, which was a hymn. You know, you got all of that. And you're all doing that together. I'm sitting back here and I'm saying, look at this church on a Sunday morning and this little speck on the globe. And they're worshiping the Lord together. They're living this out. Now, let me just turn up the volume. We don't come to worship at 10 o'clock. We bring our worship with us. Singing worship is only one piece of the pie. One of the, the majors in our four-year degree is worship. And we tell them, leading singing is, ha, that's pretty easy unless you're going to try to do all the smoke and mirrors and jump up and down and all that. But really, all, all, all worship is, is that's singing. And then you add all the other stuff that we do because everything we do, everything I've just shared with you today on our outline, it's all done to the glory and the praise of our Lord. We worship him together. We join the church together. We grow to maturity together. We discover our spiritual gifts, and then we develop them, and then we demonstrate them to 
together. We want to share the gospel together. And so we worship the Lord together. So I'm going to close by showing you something to make sure that everybody is going to go to heaven when they die. This is a little, little illustration meant so much to me. So see if you can do this. And Josiah, watch how I do this. And see if you can remember this, okay? Because this will help you if you want to share the gospel in a way that's not preachy, okay? So let my right hand represent you and me. And we're going to let my wallet right here represent our sin. Can you see this in the back? This is you and me. This is our sin. The Bible says we all sinned. Would you agree that you're a sinner? How many of you have ever stolen something in your life? A penny off your dresser of your parents? You answer off someone else's paper? You know, you also, raise your hand if you've stolen something. Okay, good. I have to. All right. How many of you ever would say you told a lie? Maybe one little white lie, pink lie, whatever you want to call it, lie. How many have told at least one lie in your life? Okay. All right. So ladies, watch your purses. There are liars and thieves in this group. <laughs> no, seriously said. We, we all joke about that, but that's part of the condemnation. So here am I. These are my sins right here. I've all sinned. All of us have sinned. Nobody's perfect. The Bible says that because I'm a sinner, I was born a sinner. That means I'm already separated from God. And when I die, I'm going to spend eternity separated from God in a horrible place called hell for eternity. So I want you to know that there is a judgment that you heard quoted today by Josiah. That after we die, we face a judgment. And so here it is. I'm a sinner. And because I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God and I'm placed in hell. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 27, that if I tell one lie, I can't get to heaven. Only perfect people can get there. So that really eliminates everybody on planet Earth. No matter how many religious good deeds they've done or social good deeds, they've got to be perfect. They're not. Even if you said that from today to the future, I'll never sin again. The problem is we have this baggage. You have to be perfect from birth to death. And you can't be. All right. Then the Bible says that it's not by any good deeds you do. You can turn over a new leaf, clean yourself off, do a lot of good, great things for other people, socially and religiously, but no good deed I do will get rid of that sin. I, I'm stuck with it, except death. Now watch here. Let my left hand represent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And I do mean that reverently. This is Christ. This is you and me with our sin. Notice, my sin separates me from Christ, separates me from heaven. The Bible says that I'm a sinner. I'm destined to go to hell, but God loves me. So here's what he did. When Jesus died, he took my sin on himself. He died and he rose again. Now that doesn't mean just because a ticket to heaven's paid for that everybody's going there. It just means the ticket's paid. Okay? So now, when Jesus died, how many sins did he pay for? Well, the Bible says he paid for them all, didn't he? We don't sing the song, Jesus paid it part and I'll pay part myself. You know, Jesus paid it all. He died and he rose again. Your sin was paid for by Christ. Now he says the only thing you can do to have eternal life is to trust in Christ. And then what happens then is he gives you as a gift him, but his righteousness comes with it. And he now plants his righteousness. And so you can never go to hell, but you'll have everlasting life. Can you quote John 3.16 with me? Let's do this. Last verse for today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever behaves shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. <laughs> How many people today do you think could actually quote John 3.16, but they're going to add baptism, turning from this, making Christ this, whatever. It, it's not. It's not by any good deeds. Now let's do it correctly, shall we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes and behaves shouldn't perish but have a... And that's, they'll say you've got to believe and do this. No, it's only believing. Now, let's do it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that correct? No. I left out the most important part of that verse. Listen carefully now. Here's what I said and here's what it says. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes should not perish. That's what I said. Here's what it says. Whosoever believes in him. You see, faith doesn't save you, folks. Just like works don't. It's the object of your faith that saves you. If you have it in yourself, you won't have eternal life. If you have it in good deeds, any kind, you won't have eternal life. If you have it in Christ and something else, you don't have it because Jesus, it's only him. So the only thing is when I trust in Christ and Christ alone do I have eternal life. If you do, you're in his family. If you sin, God says, I'll spank you. But I will not take away your eternal life. Are you ready to pray right now? This is a good time. I can smell that food. And so I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to turn you over to the Holy Spirit, and you guys work it out and really add a value to your life. Shall we pray? Let's do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, dear ones, I just, I just love you so much, and God loves you even more, and your pastor just... You are on his mind practically all day long, every day, in some measure. He carries your burdens, and he takes them to the Lord. He grieves for you when he hears you not doing things that he knows that you know you want to do, but you're not, or doing things that you shouldn't be doing. He loves you. But right now, the important thing is, do you love yourself enough to simply be honest with yourself and say, you know what? I am a sinner. I know I missed the mark of God's perfection. I know that I could never be good enough to go to heaven, but I do believe that Jesus died and he rose again 2,000 years ago before I was ever born. And my sin debt's been paid for by him, but now he wants me to come to him by faith. And in some measure, it could be that the Lord has drawn you to him right now where you're going to place your faith in him. So how do you do that? Well, it's not even so much a prayer. It's, you don't walk an aisle. You don't even have to raise your hand. It's, it's between you and the Lord, but it's more than just knowing truth. That salvation is by faith alone. It is engaging with him in a faith experience. So it may be somewhat of a prayer, but it's where you're now saying to the Lord, there's something going on within you that you are now totally depending upon him for the full forever forgiveness of your sin. It'd be like if you were standing over a cliff and they asked you to just fall backwards and you're so afraid because you don't know what's on the other side when you fall backwards over the cliff and the Bible is now telling you, don't worry, you have a strong man behind you named Jesus and he'll catch you. But you've got to trust him. Or getting on a plane. You don't have to know everything about the pilot, but you have to know your ticket says you're going to heaven. The pilot knows how to get there and he's going to take you there. So you trust not so much the plane, but you're going to trust the pilot, your sky pilot, to get you there. And I'm not trying to bring down Jesus to a sky pilot, but I am trying to make it simple so you can understand that it is by faith alone and Christ alone. Is there anyone in here that's trusting Christ as Savior that never did it before? Today's the day you're getting, quote, born again, like you heard about this morning. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Now, when I pray for you, I won't mention your name in my prayer. I won't walk down off this platform. I won't have you come forward. That's something of the pastor and all that. That's, that's them and you. But right now, getting born again is a very personal thing. When a baby's born, mama doesn't want the world looking at her. She's going through all this. And so it's a private thing. But soon afterwards, mom takes a little baby and shows it to everybody. And that's something you can do public. But for right now, getting born again is something that's intimate between you and the Lord. You're trusting him. And you, you'd like for me to pray for you. Now, when I do, I'll, it'll be a general prayer. But I do want to pray for you. I want you to know you're not doing this in a sense alone. There is someone in the room with you that loves you enough that is praying for you, even though they don't know you yet. That you, that you trust in Christ. So simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, and I know I probably will, but you said you'd forgive me of all sin. And, and since you don't lie, you can't lie. And you said if I trusted in you alone, you'd save me. And right now I'm trusting in you on the authority of your word. 
I'm so grateful to know that I have eternal life. Now, that's what you kind of do in your mind, in your own words, between you and the Lord. If you've never done something similar to that, but you want to seal the deal today, it says, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God so you could know you have eternal life. I'd like to pray for you. So as quick as you can blink an eye, I'd like you to just slip up your hand and put it down. If today's the day that you're trusting Christ, I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone? Slip up your hand and put it down. Anyone at all? All right, Father, I thank you for these dear people here that have learned at least five core values. And as they go through that privately, that they would, they would man up, woman up, boy up, girl up. And look through this list again. See where they are. Humble themselves. Seek your power through your spirit. And continue their wonderful journey of spiritual life development. So that, Father, that they would reach their full potential in Christ. And really, the rest of their life could be the best of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.